anonymity. This is where the identity or location of a victim is withheld. Due to the nature of the offenses covered in the Sexual Offenses Act 2003, the victims are afforded anonymity throughout their lifetime. The Sexual Offenses, Amendment, Act 1992, Section 1 states, where an allegation has been made that an offence to which this act applies has been committed against a person, neither the name nor address, and no still or moving picture, of that person shall during that person's lifetime be published in England and Wales in a written publication available to the public, or be included in a relevant programme for reception in England and Wales, if it is likely to lead members of the public to identify that person as the person against whom the offence is alleged to have been committed or, where a person is accused of an offence to which this act applies, no matter likely to lead members of the public to identify a person as the person against whom the offence is alleged to have been committed, the complainant shall during the complainant's lifetime, be published in England and Wales in a written publication available to the public, or be included in a relevant programme for reception in England and Wales. The key elements to remember for anonymity is that the protection is in place throughout the complainant's lifetime and this applies, whether the suspect is found guilty or not. Rape. Rape is an indictable offence and therefore can only be heard at the Crown Court. The maximum sentence is life imprisonment. The definition is. A person, a, commits an offence if he intentionally penetrates the vagina, anus or mouth of another, b, with his penis, b, does not consent to the penetration, and, a, does not reasonably believe that b consents. Whether belief is reasonable is to be determined having regard to all the circumstances, including any steps A has taken to ascertain whether B consents. Rape can only be committed via the use of a penis. Therefore the principal offender can only be a man, however female could be charged with aiding and abetting rape. Also a point to note is that a surgically constructed penis will be treated as a penis for this act, as will a surgically constructed vagina. The offence is committed if the vagina, anus or mouth of the victim is penetrated by the penis of the suspect. The mnemonic vamp is useful to remember this. You must show that the victim did not in fact consent at the time, and that the defendant did not reasonably believe that the victim consented. The wording is supported by the further provision that whether or not the defendant's belief is reasonable will be determined having regard to all the circumstances. Section 1, 2 does not positively require the accused to have taken steps to ascertain whether the complainant consents. However, this is something a jury will consider when considering the reasonableness of his belief. More steps are likely to be expected where there is no established relationship. Sections 75 and 76 apply to this offence and we will look at them later on. If the victim is a child under 13, a specific offence of rape of a child under 13 contrary to Section 5 of the Act is committed. You simply have to prove intentional penetration and the child's age, no issue of consent arises. Section 103, 2B of the Criminal Justice Act 2003 provides that a defendant's propensity to commit offences of the kind with which he is charged may, without prejudice to any other way of doing so, be established by evidence that he has been convicted of an offence of the same category. An offence under Section 1, if committed in relation to a person under 16, or under Section 5 of the Act, falls within the relevant sexual offences category. This includes aiding, abetting, counselling, procuring, inciting or attempting the commission of such offences. Criminal conduct. To prove rape you must show that the defendant intentionally penetrated the vagina, mouth or anus of the victim with his penis. Penetration is a continuing act from entry to withdrawal. 
The continuing nature of this act is of importance when considering the issue of consent in the statutory presumptions under subsections 75 and 76. While it is not necessary to prove ejaculation, the presence of semen or sperm may be important in proving the elements of a sexual offence. The penetration does not need to rupture the hymen, and the vagina is taken to include the vulva. Consent. For the purposes of the act, a person consents if they agree by choice and has the freedom and capacity to make that choice. Any consent given must be true consent, not simply a submission induced by fear or fraud. The fear element is quite straightforward however with the fraud element, this needs to be a fraud in relation to the nature of the act. Therefore someone consenting to sex when her partner asks her to marry him will not be fraud if he had no intention to get married. However if a doctor penetrates a patient's vagina with his penis and states it is a medical procedure, this would be fraud as it is in respect of the nature of the act. Capacity. A valid consent can only be given by someone with a capacity to make that decision. The Sexual Offences Act 2003 does not define capacity. The old act principles were that complainants will not have the capacity to agree by choice, where their understanding and knowledge were so limited that they were not in a position to decide whether or not to agree. Even if consent is given freely, it may still be withdrawn at any time. Once the passive party of the sexual penetration withdraws consent, any continued activity can amount to a sexual offence, provided all the other elements are present. The question of whether withholding a sexually transmitted disease if both parties consent to the sexual intercourse, and afterward one discloses a sexually transmitted disease, this is not rape as the consent was to the sexual intercourse, not to sex with someone with a disease in question. However if one of the parties asserts that they do not have a condition, knowing that they do, this would remove the free consent, and the other party was deceived, and could not make an informed decision. As such this would be rape. Conditional consent. There are a number of stated cases regarding this element of the legislation under Section 74 of the Act. This covers persons engaging in sexual activity, with conditions expressed prior to the commission of the Act. One case speaks of a victim who consented on the condition that a condom was worn during the Act. Another is a case where consent was given under the condition that the other party would withdraw prior to ejaculation. The third is a case where the victim did not specify conditions, however was deceived by the other party into believing she was a male. The court held that the penetration had been with consent, however the victim had clearly demonstrated that her choice of sexual partners was male. The fact the suspect had portrayed herself as a male demonstrated that she knew this was the case. She had therefore removed the victim's right to make an informed decision. Evidential Presumptions About Consent Section 75 the Sexual Offences Act 2003, Section 75 states, If in proceedings for an offence to which this section applies it is proved that the defendant did the relevant act, that any of the circumstances specified in subsection 2 existed, and that the defendant knew that those circumstances existed, the complainant is to be taken not to have consented to the relevant act, unless sufficient evidence is adduced to raise an issue as to whether he consented, and the defendant is to be taken not to have reasonably believed that the complainant consented, unless sufficient evidence is adduced to raise an issue as to whether he reasonably believed it. What this means is that if the prosecution can show that the defendant did a relevant act in relation to certain sexual offences, and the defendant was aware they existed, the prosecution can rely on the presumptions being drawn. The conditions are. A person was, 
at the time of the relevant act, or immediately before it began, using violence against the complainant or causing the complainant to fear that immediate violence would be used against them. Any person was, at the time of the relevant act or immediately before it began, causing the complainant to fear that violence was being used, or that immediate violence would be used, against another person. The complainant was, and the defendant was not, unlawfully detained at the time of the relevant act. The complainant was asleep, or otherwise unconscious at the time of the relevant act. Because of the complainant's physical disability, the complainant would not have been able at the time of the relevant act, to communicate to the defendant, whether the complainant consented, any person had administered to or caused to be taken by the complainant, without the complainant's consent, a substance which, having regard to when it was administered or taken, was capable of causing or enabling the complainant to be stupefied or overpowered at the time of the relevant act. Conclusive presumptions about consent. Section 76 of the Sexual Offences Act 2003. If in proceedings for an offence to which this section applies, it is proved that the defendant did the relevant act, and that any of the circumstances specified in subsection 2 existed, it is to be conclusively presumed that the complainant did not consent to the relevant act, and that the defendant did not believe that the complainant consented to the relevant act. The circumstances are that, the defendant intentionally deceived the complainant, as to the nature of the, or purpose of the relevant act or the defendant intentionally induced the complainant to consent to the relevant act by impersonating a person known personally to the complainant. We have covered the fraud element of section 76 previously however in relation to impersonating someone else note the personally known part. So an identical twin pretending to be his brother in order to have sex with his brother's wife would fall under this presumption. However impersonating George Clooney would not unless of course the complainant personally knew George Clooney.